Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to Spinistry Live. I am your host of Adventure, Kevin Lee, and about to head out on an adventure myself, nailing down some Colorado routes and uh, getting together with a group of friends and and uh, having all sorts of production issues this afternoon, but that's okay. Not a big deal. Uh, just wanted to give a quick update. We had a fantastic ex experience this past weekend with our first real event since March and the left out of land run. We've done some smaller club rides and things like that, but this past weekend we did our Hell of the North Texas in conjunction with Tour de Paris weekend and the fiddling around and experimenting we've been doing with the smaller club rides, we think we have found a really good formula for putting on fun and competitive events, uh, but still able to maintain proper safety protocols and make sure everybody's out there having a good time and not having to worry about the virus and things like that. And we'll go into some of those details momentarily. We're on this, uh, we're on the signup page for our mountain bike race on Sunday, October 25th. And we're actually utilizing some of the information that we found from this last gravel grinder that we did, the hell of North Texas. And we're going to incorporate some of that into a mountain bike event as well. So we're really excited about that. A key factor of this is definitely restricting numbers. We're not going to have 300 people racing or anything like that. Uh, we're going to take registrations on a somewhat managed basis and make sure that we're able to space out wave starts properly with the right size groups and not a lot of interaction before or after the event. The focus is definitely on riding the bicycle and racing it's not going to be the social experience before or after the event itself. We'll, we'll touch on a few of those details. The 4R Brambles Ramble, that sign-up is now open, uh, open to the general public, not just club spinistry members. And here are some of the different options that we have for that. We do have a six-hour endurance, single-speed men and women, an expert race of three laps, roughly nine miles per lap. Intermediate of two laps and then a beginner's dash of one lap. Spots are limited for each of those categories. Once a category sells out, we will open a wait list. We're, you know, we'll look how the numbers gel out between different waves and if some have to be combined or anything like that, and then maybe we can open up another wave if one's particularly popular. We're going to take this a step at a time. Uh, Sign-up fee for the race is $32.50. That includes all the fees. That includes the, the processing fees, tax, all, all of that. And if you are a club's ministry member, you actually save $20 off that. So that's going racing for $12.50. The price does include Land access, this is, a, this is private property, a private mountain bike trail from our friends at 4R Ranch Vineyards and Winery. Uh, the Brambles is a brand new mountain bike trail that they're kicking off on their property. Typically, land access is $10 a day per rider. Uh, when you sign up for the race, 
the race is on Sunday. Land access is included in that fee. You don't have a race fee and then still have to pay land access on top of it. But what's also cool is if you want to pre-ride on that Saturday, the land access fee for Saturday is included in that race fee as well. And 4R does have campsites available. And on Sunday, race day, they will have wine and food and drink and everything for sale at their amazing tasting room after the event. And the way the event's going to work is all the different groups are going to finish at different times, so it'll be nice and spread out. So there's never going to be 200 people gathering at the tasting room at one time or anything like that. So that's a quick overview of our 4R Brambles Ramble, the Spinistry's Spooky Mountain Bike Race. Um, along those lines, like I said, we think we've, we're like 95% there for finding a formula that works as long as safety protocols are appropriate. And that's not for us to say when they're appropriate and when they're not. We're just going to default to let's, you know, let's play it safe and just give fun racing and make sure, you know, nobody has to worry about the specifics around the virus. We're going to put everyone in a situation where they can just concentrate on racing their bicycle and we'll take care of the safety, safety aspect of it. I bring that up because uh, I think our last ministry chat or two we had spoken about, it's really difficult for us to plan things further out right now. We're still kind of definitely in that mode, but this formula that we've kind of latched onto allows me to be more comfortable looking a little further out to say, okay, as long as this thing is st still going well, we can look at doing this around this time with the understanding that, hey, things can change between now and then. And we're not going to hang our hat on anything now that might be happening in November or December, but we want folks to be able to start looking forward to certain things. Uh, so I'm just doing a quick glance at our spinistry calendar on Facebook. We do have our Club Spinistry Colorado weekend kicking off this weekend, actually going up tomorrow to start doing some scouting, and then we'll meet up with folks for the riding this weekend and camping and hanging out. October 10th, Rat 1000, solo self-supported group departure from Tex Arcana. We're not doing uh, the Rat this year as a group shindig, but there's about 20 folks who've signed up that just kind of want to do it on their own, solo self-supported. We're not doing the stage race or the, the group camping or anything like that this time around but solo self-supported should be completely virus appropriate and virus safe. October 25th is the four hours Brambles Ramble that we were speaking of. November 6th, we're pretty excited about this. This will be our first overland adventure. Uh, we're, we're going to try to head down to Big Bend National Park, check out Big Bend for the first time. The reality of it is the overland park itself the main weekend isn't going to include Big Bend time on that weekend. It's a lot of miles to cover, basically, between Austin and Big Bend National Park. Uh, so if you're wanting to check out Big Bend, plan on staying another day or two, Monday and Tuesday, down there to check out the National Park, assuming it's open. The main weekend will basically be overlanding between Austin and Terlingua. That'll be Saturday and Sunday. 
Uh, some of us will also be in, be doing some overlanding to get from the Dallas area to Austin for a few days before that. But I recognize most people will just mainly be doing Saturday and Sunday, maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or maybe Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday, Sunday is the main overlanding function, but it won't. We won't have time in Big Bend National Park on Sunday. That would be Monday before we're actually able to do things in in the national park itself. Uh, but here's what I really want to touch on is November 21st. We've had this penciled into the calendar for a while, but we really weren't expecting anything to come of it. Um, but with our current formula that we found over this weekend, well, we've been working on it for several months, but I think we kind of nailed it down. And we'll talk about some of those details in just a moment. Uh, we think we're going to do our straight to hill event on November 21st and potentially open that up to as many as 150 or 200 people, but maintaining our safety, let's call it safety waves. And we'll, we'll go into a little bit more detail on how that works in a bit. Um, still have to verify that we have a staging venue that we can utilize and it's important for there to be sufficient parking and where people can come and go while racers are finishing and starting and things like that. Um, but November 21st, straight to Hill in the Hillsboro area, so like an hour south of DFW, not even an hour north of Waco, a couple hours north of Austin, if that. Um, kind of a nice little middle area, and there's some really good riding in that area. Uh, so we're looking at November 21st to maybe try to do a little bit bigger event, maybe up in that 150 to 200 person range while utilizing these safety procedures that, that we've, we've latched onto. November 29th will be another mountain bike race, uh, our, this year's version of the Turkey Burn 100 at North Shore Trail. That's the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And uh, penciled in currently in conjunction with our friend Sean McAfee, Rudolph's Revenge on December 12th. I know Sean has some pieces working in the background on that. I expect he'll be sharing more information very soon along those lines. And then once we nail down the Rudolph's Revenge uh, general details, we'll probably look at somewhere between November 29th and the end of the year, and not including the Rudolph's Revenge weekend, we'll probably uh, put in the Holiday Ramble again with the, uh, with the proper safety formula that we've kind of latched onto a bit here. So let's, let's kind of let's touch on how that works and some of the things we played with this past weekend to kind of make that happen. And uh, just to give folks a better idea of what we mean by by uh, virus safe competition and racing and group riding and things like that. So we did we we tried we experimented with two basic things, but kind of three different ways. And the first thing we did, this is pretty self-explanatory. I'll just but I'll go ahead and bring up the results. We did we did a traditional time trial. That makes a lot of sense for 
virus safe racing. Uh, the main the main thing that we concentrated on with our time trial riders was that their check-in time didn't open up until all of the other participants and their waves had already started for the day. So there wasn't any pre-ride interaction. There wasn't people coming up during the 100-mile check-in that, oh, hey, I'm, I got here early so that I can register for or check in for the time trial, you know, a couple hours later. We didn't allow any of that overlap at all. So the, the check-in for the time trial didn't open until all of the other racers had already left the facility, left the parking lot, left the start line. And so there was minimal interaction between participants there. And also our check-in was very efficient. It was, you know, pre-register only. All people had to do was give, give us their name and we gave them their, their number plate, told them to go on back to their cars, and then we would do a, a group meeting uh, down at the end of the parking lot with everyone properly spaced out, uh, you know, just before we took off. And then we had everybody line up uh, in their starting order, you know, so, you know, several yards apart from each other. And we spaced everyone about 90 seconds. I think everyone can agree that's pretty, that's pretty, especially since it's outdoors. That's pretty much as, as virus safe as you can get. Uh, that said, I really liked that time trial format myself. Um, I do want to play with that some more on a continuous basis. I don't, that doesn't mean that we'll be doing time trials for every single one of our gravel events going forward. But I, I do see the potential of doing gravel weekends with like a Saturday time trial for people to seed into specific groups, specific waves. So everybody that's time trials about the same time, those 10 riders go off together, race each other the next day. So I'll, the fastest 10 riders from the time trial on Saturday race each other for, you know, the A race on Sunday. The next 10 riders race together for the B race, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a potential of mixing in uh, age breaks in that as well. Uh, gender breaks, obviously. The reality though is I don't know if that's really even necessary. If, if, you're, if you're grouping riders of the same speed together, it's really not age or gender specific at that point. But I definitely welcome others' feedback on that concept as well. Uh, that's kind of in line with what we've played with with our uh, our category racing in the past, but I think the time trial aspect really gives us a very specific, here's the group you should be racing in potential, which I find that pretty interesting and pretty exciting. So that was one way that we uh, tried a new form of racing. Uh, the next that we did, uh, we did our, we did, we put our 100 milers out there as a race, as two different races, basically. A 715 race of 10 or less people and a 730 race of 10 or less people. Uh, what we didn't tell them at that time, though, was that what we were going to do was just go ahead and combine those times together for an overall ranking among the two races. And the, so this is the part that I'm, I'm really 
pretty interested in trying to flesh out and trying to find a way to make this work. Um, I know there's, it's not perfect. There's nothing perfect about anything. There's always going to be variations between different groups that start at different times. Maybe there's a, a train crossing here or you know, road maintenance there or something like that that affects one group but doesn't affect another group. I, I, I recognize that's a potential issue. But probably 95% of the time, if not more, you know, if we send out a 100-mile group at 7 a.m., another group at 7.15, and another group at 7.30, realistically, they're, they're covering the same course. We don't have to have 30 people starting at one time or 300 people starting at one time. Even if it's several hundred people, you can space those people out over the course of a day or the course of a weekend and see how they stack up against each other. And what that can even turn into down the road is still offer that same course as a virtual race for people that can't make it there that same day and utilize Strava or ride with GPS and throw in uh, times that people do at other, other days or, or things like that. Again, it's not perfect head-to-head -head competition. I'm not saying it's a new way to do head-to-head -head competition. We think it's a happy medium at this point and gives a lot of that competitive factor and a lot of fun, but still doing it in a virus-safe manner. And we had a 66-mile group as well that was a fun ride that wasn't competitive, but it was a little bit bigger group. And that, that one we just combined I think that was four different start times. And we used just their results to show that, you know, how everybody stacked up, but we could start doing some gender breaks in that potentially. I can see where that could turn into age breaks as well. So where maybe like the, the beginner type racers or the C racers or whatever you want to call them, maybe we do send them out at all throughout the day in different small groups, uh, but offer more category breaks for age and gender and things like that. Maybe the, the higher level racers, they're racing just head to head based on speed sort of thing. Some, some, th some things we're playing with along those lines. Pretty excited about how well and how smoothly it worked, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, for me, it was, it was good to see everyone. It, and for, for, for that aspect of it, it was, it was definitely different. Whereas um, our traditional events, 200, 300, 500 people there at one time, and everybody's finishing kind of in that same hour period and everybody's starting together and everything like that. Uh, I, I don't get to chat with everyone. I don't get to see everyone and say hello. Uh, I don't get to see everybody, fin you know, come across the finish line and things like that. This gave me more, uh, personally, more capability to spend a few seconds with everyone, a couple minutes here and there. And for me, that was, that was a big deal. It was, it was really good to see everyone. Uh, most likely, as much as we, you know, as much as we'd love to be cooking barbecue and, you know, feeding everyone the way we have in the past. I, I think we're it's still a little early to start thinking about those things. But, you know, we might be able to do some things like we can, you know, we, we did uh, we did some sack lunches and stuff like that, uh, kind of on a self-service basis. And uh, I, I bet 
chances are greater than zero that we can get our friends at Bell's Brewing to hook up for some of these future events with us and make sure somebody has some cold drinks to wet their whistle. And, you know, maybe we just have, you know, one volunteer that's kind of helping out and, you know, just tell them what you want in the hand, everybody one at a time, nobody digging through the cooler and getting sweaty gloves all in the cooler or anything like that. We'll play with that. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to, to our uh, friends at Bell's here shortly and, and uh, see if maybe we can, we can work together on a, a nice refreshing after ride after race uh, drink of theirs. And one other thing that we have officially kicked off this week, and this is another slightly different way we're going to start doing these, I do believe in the future. So I want to show this to all club spinistry members specifically. For some of our self-service routes and things like that, I, the way we've provided the links to the routes in the past, that's that's there's been some changes with ride with GPS that are for the better, but they're a little bit different. So we think we're gonna start getting club member specific information out this way. It'll still use our sign up page through run sign up like we typically do. Uh, but like our, our Austin to Dallas adventure route, that's free for club spinistry members. You can, you know, if you're a club spinistry member, you can access this at any time, but we set it up as an event. You just sign up for it. It recognizes that you're a club spinistry member. Once you sign up for the event itself, you'll have new content that shows up on the page. And we're gonna be constantly be adding details and information about this route, amenities. If there's a certain restaurant that everybody likes, we're gonna give details on that. Uh, if there's, if somebody tells us there's a bridge out and we need to do a go around, we can do updates on this page with that level of detail. And this is just always gonna be available to folks. But once you sign up for the event, like before I signed up, this routes link wasn't available. It recognizes that you're a club spinistry member, that you're signed up specifically to access the information from here. And we can just have all sorts of different details that are added only visible to people that have signed up for the event. You'll just click on this routes link. And just to let you know, anytime you do this, you do need to already be logged into your Ride With GPS account. But you just click on that link. You're RSVP'd. And then you just continue. And this is traditionally like the way we've seen our routes for events and things like that. So now you you know you have that access like you have before. So instead of looking for that confirmation email that you got several weeks ago or or whatever or maybe your spam filter caught it, you just go to the event page itself at any time and click on the routes and you can access that. And then obviously once you're RSVP'd, you're, it'll be resident on your ride with GPS account at that time. Uh, the way, so the way we have this structured now, Austin to Dallas. Well, first off, let me show all on the map. It lets us do that. Might have too much memory hogness going on right now. There we go. So here's all of the different segments on the, the route. Now, a couple things I wanna point out, like there's a couple of variations here. And let me describe what that is. 
So we we have Austin to Dallas, Dallas to Austin, where it's all the segments connected together. Okay. Don't use this for navigation. This is just for map reference purposes, just to see roughly the mileage between points or how you're generally getting there and things like that. This was like the rough draft of the route, this continuous file. Uh, then what we did is we, for navigation purposes, we broke it down into three segments each direction. A to D1, that's Austin to Dallas segment one. So that's south to north. D2, A2, D2, that's the middle segment. A2, D3, that's south to north, the last segment into Dallas. Going the other way, north to south, D2, A1, D2, A2, and D2, A3. These are the navigation segments. This is what you lo load into your Garmin or your Wahoo or use Ride with GPS to actually navigate. The other ones, those are too big of a file. You don't want to load those into a navigation computer. It could make it go all sorts of wonky or something like that. It's the shorter segments that you want to navigate for each segment. And so like there's A2, D2, and there's D2, A2. They're the same, just going different directions. A couple of minor variations that we did slight reroutes for various reasons from the original rough draft. Uh, but the majority of this route has been double checked. Here's one reroute that I threw in when I looked at the maps more closely and found something interesting I'd rather route by here, but I have not verified this small section here yet. Outside of that, this should be good to go for the time being. It is an adventure route, not a gravel route. I would say it's probably roughly 50% dirt and gravel roads. There's just no way to do 100% gravel between Austin and Dallas. But where it's paved roads, it's still county roads, backcountry roads, pretty scenic. And a lot of the times the pavement itself is even rougher than a gravel road. Uh, so it's, it's not really any easier. It's still an adventure. No matter how you look at it, you'll want to use a gravel-capable bike. Uh, hardtail mountain bike, nothing wrong with that either. Uh, when we look at the individual segments, if we go to this route, we have populated the maps with some convenience stores and camping areas and restaurants and different things that we've seen along the way. Over time, we'll populate this with a lot more specific information. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have a rating system for different stores and restaurants and camping spots and things like that as people start trying out the different ones. You know, like I right now, I know these are several areas that have camping available, but how much anyone wants to actually camp at those yet, I can't say just yet. We have to have people actually uh, utilize the facilities and things like that and start getting some feedback and we know we're going to find some not so great places along the way but i bet we're going to find some really fantastic hidden gems that's what i'm most excited about particularly for the barbecue joints along the way but anyway that's a quick spinistry chat update i'm going to finish loading up the truck and get ready for our colorado adventure 
Thank you, everyone, who joined us for Hell of the North Texas. Thank you, everyone, who's already signing up for the 4R Brambles Ramble. I think we had three signups just while I was doing this chat. And we're really excited. We're looking, we're really looking forward to starting to put, put together some bigger events and see more of y'all on a more regular basis. But again, the emphasis is going to be on safety for all of us. I'm going to go ahead and sign off now, take care of some business, and uh, we'll check in via Instagram and Facebook Live while we're up in Colorado. Catch everyone later.